you know a lot about golf. Well, we're waiting. And that music means ta-da, it is us as weekend golf guys. I am John Ashton in studio. He is Jeff Smith. Breathing mountain air again, Mr. Jeff, are you? You got it, man. I am feeling healthier already. <laughs> My attitude is as high and as positive as these mountains are, baby. He is Rocky Mountain High, baby. Yes, indeed. Um, you know what happened just the other day? No, I'm what? literally driving down the highway and I'm looking around and there's not a cornfield in sight. <sighs> and I had this massive smile. How refreshing. In my face. <laughs> Go figure. Is there still snow on the mountains? around you yeah there is matter of fact new york mountain is right if i opened up that big door behind me Mm -hmm. and i would look out i would see it and it would be snow on the top of that thing and yet it's 65 degrees and sunshiny right down here in the valley gorgeous Mm -hmm. day yeah do you get a lot of uh, wet conditions because of spring runoff you know what interestingly enough uh no Okay, cool. It The golf course is not sopping wet. It has not been just dumping down rain. The forecast has shown that it's supposed to have been. But yet, in every day, in actuality this week, dry. Well, good for you. And you yeah, don't have to suffer from, um, from the haze, from the Canadian wildfires that the East Coast and the Midwest is uh, experiencing at this point in time. Yeah. Isn't that fun, huh? Yeah. Oh, well. Um, That's good. So you're back at it. Let me let me see if I can remember. Is Eagle Creek Golf Club? Eagle Springs. Eagle Springs. Eagle Springs Golf Club in the Vale Valley in Walcott, Colorado. There you go. So if you're anywhere in the vicinity, and I know one guy who who has a business picking up poop, who's really excited about you being back out in the neighborhood, man. He's gonna be he's gonna be coming around pretty soon. Um, You know, one of the things. That, that happens a lot when, when you're dealing with a, a golf club. And if you're a member of a club, of whether it be a private or a semi-private or whatever, they always have the club championships, member guest tournaments, member member tournaments, all that kind of good stuff. And they are usually handicap-based. Now, I have a friend. Oh, boy. And you have a friend. Are you bringing up the can of worms? Are yes, you about I am. to open up the lid? Yes, I am, because I was talking to a mutual friend of ours down in Nashville who was talking about how he shot miraculously a 77. And he decided wow. he decided that that score was not going to be entered into the uh, handicap computer. Last wow. week's 96 made it in. But this week's 77 oh. isn't going to make it. How convenient for that mutual friend of ours from Nashville. Yes. Is he tall and thin? Does he have white hair? Yes, he is tall and thin. Is he a former trumpet player? Former trumpet player, and his initials are Frank. So, um, wow. Yeah. Uh, so you can go, go over to Golf Talk America and give him some, uh, some grief for uh, blowing off his handicap. That's interesting. So that means... Frank is using, um, let's say, a system to assist him. Assist him to assist him. Yes. I he, wonder. He thinks that's what that what system is he's for. Looking to gain. 
He's looking to gain a leg up. He is looking to be able to enter member, member, and club championship tournaments at his golf course club with a handicap that might not reflect his actual abilities at this point in time. Hmm. Hmm. How about that? Eh? That seems to be troublesome, doesn't it? <laughs> what do we that do? Seems with to be a tad like less than honest, right? A tad, yes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. And, and the point what is, what do we call those guys? Sandbaggers. Huh. Yeah. I'm gonna make pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys. Yeah. The, and it, it was and interesting. The sad, the sad thing is it happens I, uh, everywhere, man, everywhere. It does. I had a, a conversation with, um, with a, a club uh, they were talking about, and they had a handicap committee. Mm-hmm. And, and they asked me a couple of questions like, well, how do you I really find out who all the sandbaggers are? I'm like, well, well who's winning all the net money in the, in the important events? Has anybody kept a record? And they go, oh, yeah, we all know who it is. I'm like, well, then how have you decided to stop that from happening to you again and again and again. I said, well, how would you stop it? And I said, well, let's first identify a few ways of what's really going on here. Somewhat of a fib, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Well, there's different ways of fibbing, as we all know. Who could fib on the scorecard? You know, walk off the green with a real live six and write down a real live seven. Mm -hmm. Right? I've seen that kind of stuff before, right? We've even seen it the other way. Usually that, that conversation, when you live the scorecard, it's usually the ego booster yeah, there. Exactly. You walk off with a six and you say, put me down for a five, John. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, but there's, there's different ways of fibbing. I told him about a way that I, I saw a guy fib on the golf course. I yeah. watched a guy, played with a guy and um, good player, good player. Guy was a three handicap. Mm-hmm. Good player. And they said, well, what do you mean? He was a sandbagger. I said, he's a good player. I said, I have never seen in my life what I saw today. He said, so what did you see today? And I said, I saw a man under complete control of every golf ball he hit and shoot 84 at the same time. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, they said, well, how did he do it? I said, well, he didn't do it just by three-putting when he got close to the end. I said, I watched a guy who his partner was on the green, and he had a shot over water, and it was clearly a seven-iron shot, and he pulls a nine-iron out of his bag and hits it flush, comes up short, goes down the bank, rolls into the hole, rolls into the water. Penalty stroke later, hits it onto the back of the green, two putts from there. But yet, had he chosen the right club, he's there. But all the rest of the time during the round of golf, he's got the right club in his hand for shots like that. And all of a sudden, he underclubs himself when there's water in front, when his partner is already on the middle of the green. Hmm, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, the same guy who pipes every drive down the middle, all of a sudden, here it is on the 14th hole. We got a dog leg right, uh, hard dog leg right, and then there's trees on the right-hand side and out of bounds in those trees, and he just aims it right there and hits the exact same shot. Just happened to have a, a few degrees off aim, and boom, there's a ball out of bounds hmm. after his partner was in the fairway. Mm-hmm. And then I saw this same fella, you know, different points during the round. 
I watched him um, hit a, a, a short game shot, uh, really good technique, really hard. When the pin was up front, his partner's 12 feet away, and all of a sudden his ball's on the back of the green with a well-struck shot. So there's a lot of ways to, mm-hmm. let's say, tell the truth to the scorecard about what you did on the on the hole. But uh, he was definitely putting some effort into hitting it into places that were not going to make him have a low score. So under control of every single thing that he did and shoot 84 at the same time, three handicap. Uh-huh. So three months later, this very same man who was a three handicap, and I watched him do this, three months later, he's carrying an eight into the member-member tournament where the big gambling money was. Ooh. Oh. And so it must have not been just that round that you watched. No, no, no. There was a steady stream of those rounds. Yeah. Wow. I also knew a guy one time who played at a club, and he played at another club, and they were very different clubs, very different golf courses. So he carried a handicap uh, at one golf course and another handicap at another golf course under a second name. So he had two accounts in the handicap system. Now, his justification for said event was that the golf course ratings were too similar to each other. However, they were very different golf courses. One of them was very penal, and the other one was not very penal, and he wouldn't have an awful lot of penalty strokes. So his rationale is if he continued to play at the less penal golf course, the easier of the two, and he entered all those scores every time he went to the more penal golf course, um, it was a problem. And then it was a problem on the other end as if he played a lot of golf at the harder golf course and he go back and have a tournament uh, with his, if he entered every score, the harder golf course scores would give him a higher handicap. And when he get to play in say the member guest or club championship or something like that, at the easier of the two golf courses, he would have an inflated high handicap and he said he didn't want to do that. So he carried two separate handicaps, but then he fibbed on both of those. (laughs) so there's a whole lot of ways that are people out there doing that yeah so mr frank did i just give you more ideas sorry i'm I'm sure i'm sure you did Uh, actually frank's pretty sharp i'm sure he's thought of everything but at what point maybe (laughs) maybe when we come back we've only got about a minute here left in this segment here but um one of the things at what point do you think a golfer goes from from putting in handicap scores or putting in scores in the handicap system to feed his ego, as opposed to when he puts the scores in to feed his wallet. Oh, well, when you're feeding your ego, you're making your, your wallet lighter because you're feeding your ego and you're going to say, well, that means that I'm a better player than what I actually am. Right. So that way you can go and crow about you being a three handicap when you're really a nine that doesn't bode well for your wallet. No, it does not. When you're out there gambling with your buddies because you're claiming three and then they're all going to give you three and then you want nine. Or you need nine. You need nine. Yeah. Yeah, right. Go handicap and the gambling handicap are two different things. More ways to cheat. I mean, more ways to uh, manipulate your handicap when we come right back. We are those weekend golf guys and we are dedicating this week to sandbaggers everywhere. Hang out with us.
crime across the country is at an all-time high. And with summer coming up, it feels like even a family road trip is taking a risk. We don't want the feeling of being unprotected and vulnerable. We found ConcealedCarry411.com. ConcealedCarry411.com gave us the help we needed to legally apply for a concealed carry permit that's recognized in over half of the country. Concealed411.com simplifies the process to apply, and it's all online. We used their free qualification process to answer a few questions and applied for our permit right from home. Thanks to reciprocity laws between states, when you're issued a New Hampshire concealed carry permit, you can legally carry in any state that recognizes your New Hampshire permit. It only takes minutes to apply, so don't wait. Exercise your rights today. Have peace of mind. Apply today. Go to www.concealed411.com. That's www.concealed411.com. Go to www.concealed411.com. And we are back, those weekend golf guys, sandbagging the art of uh, manipulating your handicap. Let's put it that way. How many times can you get away with the excuse, man, I'm playing out of my butt today, man. I have never played this well around in my life and have people actually Well, it depends on who you're playing with all the time. And it also depends on, you know, are you playing an event or not, you know? Yeah, because we've all seen these charts that are out there on the internet about how many times would it take you uh, in in playing golf to actually shoot your handicap. And the... um, the answer in that, let's just say you're out there playing 50 rounds a year, which for a lot of people, that's a fair amount of golf, right? It's like once a week almost, yeah. The odds of you shooting your handicap, if you're out there playing 50 times a year, uh, it's less than one. 1%? No, wow. one time. One time? That's one out of 50. Yeah, I know. It's mm-hmm. one out of, it's less than that. That's 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 0.05% or 0.5%. Yeah. What are you, math guy or something? Yeah, today. Sitting there working on your handicap as we speak. Is that what's going on here? That's it, man. I'm I'm doing the algorithms right now, man. Yeah, the USGA did some calculation about how often would a player ever shoot their handicap. Because, you know, the golf pros at the clubs, you know, they're always running tournaments and they always have to deal with this issue. It's a big issue. It is. Right? So they have to understand how they're going to say to the player, hey, um, you know, we're going to adjust your handicap. We, we see that you seem to be having this um, pattern of shooting your handicap uh, in tournaments. When we know that the statistical odds are not only against you, but they're against you so much that you could probably play golf again for the rest of your life and never shoot your handicap and you'd still be over your limit of how many times you should be shooting your handicap. Well, when you say... The cha- the odds of, of shooting your handicap, you're talking about the scores usually are much higher than your handicap would say they should be, right? Correct. People tend to oversimplify the handicap system and they suggest to each other that the handicap, I'm an 11, so therefore I normally shoot 11 strokes over par. So that's why you're giving me 11. Mm-hmm. But that's not how the handicap system works. It's not a representation of your average score as if that that's what everybody wants it to be conversationally speaking and to make things easy on themselves. They all want it to be that, but it is not a representation of your average. It is a representation of your potential best. And so if you, if you think about that in terms of your average, you're really not helping yourself if you're trying to be honest and a better golfer, but Mm -hmm. for the most part, most people really are trying to be a better golfer without being quite so honest. 
yeah, there's a lot of people out there who talk to me about, you know, they, they say things along the lines of golf aren't getting better, handicaps aren't getting lower. And I, and I tell them, look, that's not a measure of what we're talking about here. And they're like, well, sure it is. Cause the handicap system is out there. And I'm like, you got to understand that that is uh, a flawed system because not everybody has a handicap and it's a flawed system because people are lying about their handicap on both ways. Mm-hmm. Most people are trying to inflate their handicap so that yes. they can have a higher handicap so they can win money off their buddies or win the net trophy and the gift certificate money in the tournament. There are some who artificially deflate their handicap because they want to have an ego. Right. But it is nowhere near the amount of people who are trying to artificially inflate. So that doesn't bode well for, say, making a comment about golf instruction, people getting better. Not to mention, there's an awful lot of golf being played out there without ever being recorded into the handicap system. For example, guys got a handicap. And like you mentioned earlier, our friend Frank from Nashville, Tennessee, Golf Talk Mm -hmm. America, Frank, basically shot a great round of golf, 77, and says, this one's not going in the system (laughs) because he doesn't want it to factor in mathematically speaking, to his handicap calculation. He wants the 93 to factor in, not the one time where he shot close to his best round of golf. Which would be an accurate reflection of his handicap. Because the handicap is supposed to be a measure of what your potential is. Right. Not what your average is. Yeah. Which, 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 and it puts a whole different light on what your handicap is. I mean, why, why do they use it then to determine strokes if it's not a representation of your average score, did they not understand or is it the closest thing they've got? No, you got to think about it. It's a multifaceted system, right? It originally was created so that you, John Ashton, could go out there and compete in a fair match against mm-hmm. someone who is, say, far better mm-hmm. than you are. He gets a two strokes versus, you know, on his handicap and you have a 12. Right. So that means there's 10 strokes between you. And so when you're using that system and there's 10 strokes, you've got 12 and the other guy's got two and you want to have a fair match against each other. Well, then there's got to be some sort of mathematical calculation that levels the playing field for you, the higher handicap. Right. Right. So there's a purpose in that. And it originally was designed for match play and leveling out the playing field. So two people of separate abilities could go out and fairly compete against each other as opposed to without that system, then you're just out there and one guy's going to kick the other guy's teeth every time they go play. Mm-hmm. So then it doesn't have any fun. And the other part of the system is the USGA come up with this system and they use it in tournament play. Everybody in the whole event is using their handicap. Of course, we're it's assuming that everybody is honest, which we all know that they're not. That means they can have everybody in the in the field be relatively honest so that everybody in the field can compete against each other in said event. The system does rely on the fact that enough people are being honest about what's going on. One of the banes of uh, golf professionals' existences when they're creating tournaments is net tournaments because everybody uses their handicap because nobody wants to post a gross score on a board because they're just gross. Gives a whole new <laughs> meaning or uses the, the other meaning to the word gross. How many um, folks actually are, are participating in, in their friend's manipulation of the system? Uh, how many of you don't complain when somebody you played with and you know they shot a 72 uh, and they post an 82 and you sign off on it? Um, well, I think that depends on how good the friends are and do they do it to each other yeah. back and forth. 
yeah. you know, there's different ways of creating these numbers on scorecards and posting whatever. You know, let's just say that we're also dealing with the 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 thing, the sandbagger who who lies on the golf course, but is truthful to the scorecard in terms of he shot what he shot, but we ignored some rules along the way. Mm. By not playing by the rules, you're artificially lowering your handicap, folks. Mm-hmm. Yes, so, for example, the uh, the breakfast ball, the mulligan, the do over, the mm-hmm. oops, I. Nobody saw that. Give yeah. the guy another one. Yeah. Right. All of a sudden, you know, that one that he cold topped to the right out of bounds didn't ever exist. And then the one that's down there in the fairway is his first shot. Is it really? Or is he laying three? Mm-hmm. But no, friends are friends and they're not going to bust each other's chops every moment of every day about every rule. Yes. Right. Yes. How about the guy who's carrying 15 plus clubs in his bag? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a rule out there that says, "Hey, guess what? You're you going to get penalized a couple of pops here yeah. for the first couple of first couple of holes that that goes on with a maximum of four. But do they ever count those? Nah, they don't count those. No. How about the gimmies? Yeah, pick it up, John. That's good. What if it wasn't? Did we not just artificially lower this guy's handicap? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of problems with this handicap system. Because people don't use it the way that it was written up to be. It was written up to be a good system, mathematically speaking, but it did rely on every player being honest about what they were doing and playing by all the rules. For example, John, you play by all the rules and you uh, don't take any mullies and you put everything out and you, um, you know, call yourself on, on the rules when you artificially move your accidentally move your ball and replace it. And there's no big deal. Or you just play it from, oops, darn, I moved it, but that's eh, three feet away. Who cares? Um, and you, you penalize yourself or you actually take, you know, and do it the proper way when somebody else might not. Now there's a diff a scoring differential there. And then you take that to a tournament and you're being honest and then you're, handicap is closer to what you're going to have to play in tournament golf than the other person who didn't play honestly the whole round. And his handicap is going to be artificially inflated because he just didn't follow all the rules that create those things. Mm-hmm. And then, then that person's going to um, get uh, handed uh, his head handed to him on a platter in a, a real event where all of a sudden he has to play by all those rules and is artificially uh, his handicap then is not matching what he's really going to shoot. He's going to have a problem in the tournaments and then he's going to raise hell about it. You know? well, I mean, you know, we play by all the rules we can remember. Well, right. There's that sort of golf thing, right? Yeah. There's yeah. some golf, golf rules that, ah, it's a stupid rule. You know, which one I'm talking about. Pump one yeah. down the middle of the fairway and you wind yourself up in a sand filled divot and you got to play it out of that. Yep. That's, yeah, that's the that rule. One. We, we got to get rid of that one. And again, $4 is enough of a penalty for a lost ball. We should not have to take a stroke to more ways to manipulate your handicap coming up. When we come back, sandbagger, hang out. We are those weekend golf guys.
Well, it happened again, didn't it? Someone called and asked you to sponsor their charity golf scramble. You can recoup that money. In fact, you can make a very, very healthy return on that investment each and every time. We're having a very small, intimate gathering to explain exactly how to do that. If you'd be interested in joining us, just send me an email, john at thoseweekendgolfguys.com, and I'll send you an invitation. We will discuss exactly how to make a huge ROI on every charity golf scramble donation you make. Crime across the country is at an all-time high. And with summer coming up, it feels like even a family road trip is taking a risk. We don't want the feeling of being unprotected and vulnerable. We found ConcealedCarry411.com. ConcealedCarry411.com gave us the help we needed to legally apply for a concealed carry permit that's recognized in over half of the country. Concealed411.com simplifies the process to apply, and it's all online. We used their free qualification process to answer a few questions and applied for our permit right from home. Thanks to reciprocity laws between states, when you're issued a New Hampshire concealed carry permit, you can legally carry in any state that recognizes your New Hampshire permit. It only takes minutes to apply, so don't wait. Exercise your rights today. Have peace of mind. Apply today. Go to www.concealed411.com. That's www.concealed411.com. Go to www.concealed411.com. Of course, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash golf guys. We would love it if you were to go there and like us. We'd love it even more if you'd go there and follow us, facebook.com slash golf guys. I'm John Ashton. He is Jeff Smith. Back in the mountains, the crisp, cool air of Eagle Springs. And he'll be there all summer long. So if you're uh, out in that neck of the woods and you need some great lessons, we know a great teacher we can hook you up with who also can teach you how to manipulate your handicap, upwards or downwards, whichever direction you want it to go in. I'm trying to get people to get it lower. I want them to play better golf and be proud of the fact they're playing better golf and put it on paper and actually play that in in events when they go play. But we all know that's not going to happen. So It's a sad commentary, too, because golf is a gentleman's game. Golf is the game of honesty. Golf is the game where the players call their own penalties on themselves. Unless, of course, it would mess with their handicap. Here we are talking about sandbagging and altering your handicap and all that stuff, right? So we're out there calling people out like, hey, Frank, Mm -hmm. cut that out, dude. (laughs) Put that score in. Here's the funny part about this. Because you brought him up and him not wanting that 77 to go on his thing, we're doing this on the radio, talking about it. And we know that he is listening to our radio show. So uh, hi, Frank. How you doing? Yeah, this is this makes up for the uh, lack of ego boost of his handicap. We we talk about him to boost his ego, so he doesn't have to worry about lowering his handicap to boost his ego. Yeah, because he just wants to sit there and tell everybody he's a twenty three. Because it's two thousand twenty three, and he wants a twenty three handicap. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it keeps <laughs> keeps going up, up and up and up and up. We're just going to use a generic Frank. Okay, you're 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 at the first tee, and you're you're doing a, a match play. Uh, let's say member, member, but you don't know the member you're playing against. All right. Guy walks up to the first tee, starched golf shirt, pressed golf pants, everything color coordinated and matching. He has a, a large golf bag from a, you know, a, a, it says Titleist or Ping or TaylorMade or something like that on the side of the bag. Uh, actually, what it says is PXG. 
and he has a complete complement <laughs> of PXG clubs. Okay. And he's playing pro V ones. Everything's brand new. Everything's spiffy looking. And he says, yeah, I'm, I'm hi, I'm Frank. And uh, you look and see that his handicap is 23. Do you believe it? Do you call him out right away? Or do you wait and see how he plays? I wait and see it. Because there's, anybody a, lot can of, buy there's all a lot of people stuff, out right? there trying to look the part that are yeah. nowhere near. Yeah. I'm just, I want to wait and see. I'm a wait and see kind of guy. Because it is better to look good than to be good. And he would look marvelous. So, you know, and, and that's okay. You know, look, just because somebody might not have the, the ability or perform well at that moment, right? I'm not going to bust their chops until they tell me one thing and show me another. Yeah, which like, you know we got we got the excuse factory guys out there who uh carrying a five and then they go yeah you know i haven't played since last october and right i don't know i'm not gonna yeah. play very well next thing you know they're rattling off about four pars in a row and you're going uh-huh yeah mm-hmm. okay which yeah, is easier right. to believe the the guy who claims a high handicap and then and then starts rattling off pars or the guy who claims a low handicap and starts spraying the ball all over the course I want to look at his clubs, find out where he's hitting it on the club face. <laughs> I see a whole bunch of till marks. I'm going to bet that guy. <laughs> I see a whole bunch of center face contact marks. I am not going to bet that guy. <laughs> so you take a little sneak peek at the bag prior, huh? Yes, yeah, yeah, sure do. I want, that, hey, look, look, I'm looking for, I'm looking to find out the truth. However, I can find out the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Let that be a lesson to everybody. There so are not very many people in this world who hit the find the middle of the club face a lot. If, so if I see some, somebody, uh, make sure your club faces are clean so they can't tell where you hit. <laughs> That's true. So other things about handicaps, right? Okay. I've watched people manipulate their handicap with their putter. Just mm-hmm. a little too hard, just a little too soft, but yet still online, still a great read. You're like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. All day long, they got speed control problems. Next thing you know, it's a 78. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at it going, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe not. Right? I've seen people do all kinds of fun, funny things. So, Have you ever seen anybody get to the point where they become so incensed because the at the end of 18 the game their opponent played was so much superior to what they claimed their handicap was that they refused to pay a bet or refused to uh, follow through with whatever, whatever the results of, of the match were or were supposed to be. Yeah. Those people lose friends fast. Yeah. Yeah. They wound up bouncing from golf course to golf course. Cause they get a reputation. Yeah. There was a fella. Uh, when I was teaching a couple of years ago at a different different club in Indiana, I won't mention which one, but there was a tournament where he was playing, and um, you know he's out there, and dang it, if that guy's not not rubbing um, some uh, WD forty, he's got it sprayed onto his uh, golf towel, but he's got the golf towel stuffed in his bag so it won't smell of WD forty. But he goes to the back of the cart unzips the bag, takes the towel, wipes off the face of his driver, puts it back up there so they can't smell the WD-40. Next thing you know, this guy's piping it all day long right down the middle because he's not spinning the ball. Mm. In a tur- and did it in a tournament. 
In a tournament, okay. In a tournament. Here's a guy who's carrying 17 handicap. All of a sudden, he's Mr. Pipeline Mo mm-hmm. off the tee. And everybody's looking at him going, we have played with you before, and we know mm-hmm. what's going on here. Mm-hmm. So somebody found out. Next thing you know, guy lost a lot of friends, got asked to leave the club. Whoa. People don't want to play with people who cheat everybody else. No, cheaters are like not. We don't abide cheaters at Bushwood. No. They don't like that stuff. No. Nobody likes it. Look, getting beats bad enough. Right. But nobody is on board with getting cheated. Yeah. Yeah. And that's nobody. much more blatant than just posting a, a handicap that's different than what your ability would, would do. Right. Your handicap should be. visible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Visible. And it's a blatant cheat. I mean, it's, you know, you can always with a hand catch and say, oh, I'm, I'm just, I'm playing better than I usually do, or, or I'm not Look, playing a lot up of things to things are blatant whatever. cheats. That one just has some visibility to it. Some of the ones that are blatant cheats don't have as much visibility. Like, oh, let's say we're out in the rough, John. Mm-hmm. You've hit your ball out in the rough. And actually, you find your ball within the, the allotted amount of time but you're standing on the grass right immediately behind your golf ball, smashing down the grass so that you can get your club on the ball. Uh-huh. It's in the thick rough. Uh-huh. You can't do that? Do that. No. <laughs> you can't do that, Mr. Reed. Oops. <laughs> you cannot alter the line of your intended swing. Mm. And yet... People do that all the time. Yeah. All of a sudden, they're thick, rough, ankle high. All of a sudden, they get a ball to come flying out of there just clean as everything. Ball stops on the green and spins. And everybody goes, wait a minute. How'd that happen? Mm-hmm. How did that work? Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's stuff going on. You know, there's that, that old, yeah, I got the hole in my pocket of my pants and I'm dropping a ball, just let it slide down my leg, you know, and just keep looking for the ball. And it's sitting back there and your buddy comes through and finds it. He's behind you. He goes, dude, it's right here. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Quick story about a guy who uh, we were playing with one time, older dude. He, uh, on a par three, hit a shot and and it was kind of a, a as elevated green, so you couldn't see the ball when it hit the, the green. We got up to the green, and he couldn't find his ball. He was looking everywhere. I mean, he, he you know, traced the line from the tee, and he figured it's got to be around here somewhere, and he was looking, you know, maybe it went past the green or rolled off or whatever, and he's looking around. He dropped one with the, the, the old hole-in-the-pants pocket yeah. deal, dropped one down, found it, but the guy who went to the pin to pull it saw his original ball, which was in the <laughs> cup. So not only did he get uh, taken out for cheating, but he also missed his possibility of an ace. But we made him buy for everybody anyhow. <laughs> so, you know, make make it your last attempt use use exhaust all the other possibilities first before you decide you're going to cheat somebody okay 
Okay. We got some more. We will be back. We are those weekend golf guys. Hang. Well, it happened again, didn't it? Someone called and asked you to sponsor their charity golf scramble. You can recoup that money. In fact, you can make a very, very healthy return on that investment each and every time. We're having a very small, intimate gathering to explain exactly how to do that. If you'd be interested in joining us, just send me an email, john at thoseweekendgolfguys.com, and I'll send you an invitation. We will discuss exactly how to make a huge ROI on every charity golf scramble donation you make. In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. Operators are standing by to answer questions about making a tax-deductible vehicle donation. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of a United States veteran. Call 800-248-3508. For 24-hour response, call 800-248-3508. 800-248-3508. That's 800-248-3508. And we are here. I'm John Ashton. He is Jeff Smith. We are those weekend golf guys. And, you know, whether you're serious about maintaining a handicap, now everybody does it. Um, all, of, all of those apps that you can download now, if, yeah, if you're going to, if you're going to use it, like I, I use, um, what is it? Um, Swing You. Yeah. And, and that maintains, it, it tells me I have an eight handicap only because. Well, sometimes I forget to tell them I finished the round. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. But um, now what, what is the formula? I mean, do you throw out the highest and the lowest or is it the last 10? Oh, or- this thing is this. Look, it's it started off for a while ago. You know, just a few years ago, they changed the system a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. And when I was involved in operating. You know, and using the handicap system a lot. You know, because I was a head golf professional and I had to deal with that that thing all the time. It was a system based on, you know, it was like we're going to take the best ten of your last twenty, okay, and then we're going to trim it a little bit, and then but we're going to make the you know we say best ten. It doesn't always mean the lowest ten. It's the it's the best relative to the slope and course rating. Mm-hmm. And but now they've got it more sophisticated yet. Okay. Now there's even a weather factor in there. Oh, really? It's a cool system now. They've there's they've they took the old thing that I'm describing, you know, just a straight up mathematical formula. Right. And then they're they're putting in a weather factor, like for example, let's say it's a cold and windy, nasty day, and everybody that's playing today is playing under tougher conditions. So it you you put this weather factor in there as well, and it changes the difficulty of the golf course. Definitely, which means yes. it changes the number relative to what you what it should have been. Mm-hmm. You know, right. and it's smarter, and it's better, and it's far more elaborate. 
but it used to be something that you could sort of understand as saying, hey, look, it's really about 96% of your uh, best 10 of your last 20 average. And then the tournament scores you kept that it would refactor those bad boys in there for a little while. And you could kind of understand that one. But this one, it's a little bit more complex than that. And, um, but people always want to dumb it down and say, nah, nah, it's just my average. I'm a, I'm an 11 handicap. I shoot 11 over par. So I'm 11. Mm-hmm. handicap. Right. Okay. Yeah. Not, not true at all. So, so that is why somebody who usually shoots 12 to 13 over par can have an eight handicap. Something like that. Yeah. 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 Because as he said earlier, it's a reflection not of your average score, but of your potential best score. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, because what they're trying to do in this whole system is to stop the sandbaggers who just are doing it so they can have their best score show up at tournament time when there's something on the line, Mm -hmm. like in the Calcutta, Mm -hmm. when there's a bunch of money laying around (laughs) waiting for those to come in and scoop it up. Yeah, they know they have to deal with that stuff. It's hard. Just people are gaming the system all all the time. Now you you talking earlier about to be time they're gaming it all the time about about handicap committees. Isn't yeah. the job of the handicap committee to keep everybody honest? Yeah, but how do you keep them to be honest when I just when like. There's that, no, no, dude, you you guys played with me. You saw how many strokes I took. I put it on the scorecard. I put it in the computer. How much more honest can I be? Well, there's that way of lying on the golf course that I yeah. mentioned. How can a handicap committee stop that? They can't. So what they do is they create these rules and say, okay, for this tournament, for this, what's going to happen is we're going to shave everybody's handicap. You're going to get 90% of your handicap. When you, when you bring a guest in here, they're going to get 75% of their, their handicap. <laughs> and then the people who have a lot of handicap, they got trimmed a certain number of strokes and they're going to go crazy because they're going to go, hey, those low handicappers, 75% of, of four, this guy's only losing one shot. Yeah, but look, that guy's one shot versus your however many. But they say, well, you're just skewing it toward the better players. And you're like, yeah, they worked a little harder to become better players. So the numbers don't affect them as much, but it's the same rule. Mm-hmm. Just like the ones you're playing with on the golf course. Yeah. But the, the better players rarely because they, their tendency is to play in more gross stroke play events are usually better players. And they're not using those handicaps for an awful lot of things, except when they play against their other player, better player buddies. And then usually the handicaps are kind of a wash anyway. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting and convoluted mess, but basically everybody hates the sandbaggers. Yeah. And, and, and the, the, the smart money says, uh, arm yourself against them prior to participating in, uh, in the next member, member, member guest tournament at uh, your club. Prepare, prepare your handicap to compete with the other handicaps without blatantly cheating heavy emphasis on the word blatantly. Yeah. Cause it's just a matter of how you do it. Right. Yeah. That's cause they're going to do it. I hate to, it's, 
please don't make this sound like I'm promoting it. I'm just saying, look, uh, this is the experience of the, those people who've been around a little while. Yeah. Stuff's going to happen because people do. Right. Because they don't like finishing last and they don't like losing their money when they're gambling. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and that's the easiest way to um, find out who is a really good friend and who is not. Because you play golf with a really good friend and you cheat them and you're going to find that they probably take it a lot more personally than a casual friend. Yeah. You got that right. Yeah. No doubt about that one. Yeah. So it's a good way to lose really good friends quickly. Yeah. And that's just a warning to Frank and the others of his ilk. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, Frank. You have ilk. (laughs) That's right. So just, just to go over it again, man, I mean, the handicap system has changed and now they've added weather elements to it. If you're part of some other stuff, right. And some other stuff to it, you know, yeah. so, but it's still the same thing, you know, how often play do they by re- as many rules as you can play by? Yeah. We're trying know. to remember them all. How, how do they re do they ever re-rate the slope of golf courses or is it done yeah, just once? These, and- these- this group of people that's out there and they go out and their job is to rate the golf courses. Okay. And it's pretty cool. Okay. It's pretty but, cool. But, it, but they redo them on a regular basis. So the course may change or is it, is, is it also an objective thing to the people who rate them? It, it is. There's a criteria. There's 14 different factors per hole. Okay. And it's pretty interesting. So, um, I've, I've seen the course rating system and there's a a big deal about how they go out and they do this and they rate each particular hole for characteristics, you know, like distance Mm -hmm. uphill into the wind terrain, how wide the fairways are, how penal the rough is, uh, where, you know, hazards and, and trees and all these kind of things that make that hole very hard. Right. And they rate each one of them and then they, add them all up and come up with a rating for the entire golf course. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And this is, this is prevailing what wind is one of those things. It's pretty interesting how prevailing wind, mm-hmm. this hole always plays uphill into the wind all the time. And yet it's only 360 yards. However, it plays 400. Yeah. And this is the system that our buddy Dean Knuth came up with, right? That's right. The Pope of Slope. The Pope of Popa of Slope. Yep. Indeed. So this is something that, uh, you know, if, if you're going to play with handicap and if you're going to seriously compete in anything, whether it be just your club sanctioned or USGA sanctioned, sanctioned or whatever, you're going to need an accurate and up-to-date handicap and you're going to need to know it. Yes, you will. So do it right. That's, that's what we're saying. Even though we just told you all of the tricks that we could think of on how to not do it right, we're just trying to point those out so you can um, you can avoid them in the future. And, that's right. And to your own self be true, and then it will follow as the night, the day, thou cannot be false to any man. That's my advice. Count every stroke. Write them down accurately. Yeah, and actually try not to butcher holes on purpose just so you can write down a higher number. Don't do that, folks. Yeah. I mean, come on. I know. Some of us can butcher holes naturally. We don't need we don't need to try. That's the thing. That's what we gotta do is we gotta make sure that, you know, everybody's doing things as best they can. We can make sure that everybody 
is playing their best golf. Everybody's trying their best and try to do things the right way. And you know, if you if you want to go do it the other way and realize you're cheating people, well, you just have to look in the mirror yourself. Yeah, and just just for for your own self worth, play by the rules. Count all the penalties and get an accurate reflection of your handicap the next time you go out and every time you go out to play some golf. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.